0: Hey everybody, Mark D, IT guy, dad, generally bad movie nerd. I don't, I don't know how this is going to sound, I got a new microphone, and I couldn't sleep, and I wanted to use it, but, big news, I'm doing big energy, big news, I had a baby, and that's why this episode is however many weeks late, I don't know, time is has no meaning it didn't before it extra doesn't now I'm on these like 32 hour days where I should be asleep I was sleepy about four hours ago and I had to power through it I couldn't I couldn't sleep just yet and now I'm exhausted but I also can't sleep so I don't have options my options are gone I have zero options so there's there's that but we're gonna do a quick Mel Brooks retrospective and I just wanted to kind of you know put the thing put the mic through its paces try to figure it out try to feel it out it's like uh, it's like getting a new car where you got to be like where's the power windows uh, how, you know what's the turn in like what's the, what's the turning radius how how easy is it to park you know how how well can I see the cars around me can I see what I'm backing up into and things like that? That's where I'm at with this microphone. So, so far I think it sounds really good, but it's more about understanding what it likes. What What do you like, Mister Microphone? What do you like? We'll find out. Is it weird that I made the microphone a man? I gendered my microphone as a man, and I asked it what it liked. M- maybe, definitely maybe. So, Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. Yeah, I, I think I talked a little bit about the thesis of Mel Brooks in some of the episodes, and I didn't go back and listen to them again. This is spur of the moment. No prep. So I don't remember the exact verbiage that I may have used, but I want to say that I used something like, you know, the comedy kind of comes from uh, a place of love, has a lot of heart in it. You know, he usually tries to punch up. He, he makes a lot of... of Homosexual jokes I don't fully understand, but he he does them there may be a lot of backstory and reason there that I just don't know. I don't know the man myself, I haven't met him, never interviewed him. If I did, I don't know, I'd probably just just tee him up for different jokes and and just laugh and enjoy my time. but anyway, there's that i I didn't personally. I was not offended by any of that, but, you know, it's something to comment on. It's something interesting, and I think that, you know, bringing older material into 2020 and and looking at it with 2020 eyes is a very interesting exercise in analysis. There's no one way to do this in terms of, of movie analysis, and I'm sure some people might think that there is the one way, and the one way is their correct way because they went to university and they learned it that way but it's a little more complicated and a little more nuanced than that because there's just movies from different cultures uh and, and things like that movies from the middle east movies from asia they feel different than american movies even english movies feel different a lot of them feel like stage plays i feel like the theater has a lot more gravitas in England and in the UK in general and things like that so no one right way to do this and if somebody says there is the right way it's kind of like fuck you dude fuck you but anyway you know there's that but he he does these um these jokes where he subverts your expectation of reality but then subverts your subversion and keeps it consistent I called them logic jokes at some point Love those, they're in all the movies, 100%. Uh, big Time Song and Dance Man, I think uh, at least every one of these has a, a song and a dance, maybe, except for Spaceballs, even though Spaceballs has the Spaceballs song. So, I not managed to clip that even through the compressor. Oh, Spaceballs. Anyway, I'm, I'm I'll, 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 if it doesn't sound clipped, it's because I hit it with the repair. But we'll see, we'll see. I don't know. Again, new microphone, new things. So, how do I put a real bow on this set, the Mel Brooks collection, the 9 Blu-ray set? I didn't, I didn't get to see all of the extra features, and there is considerable per movie. So, that's the thing that I would like to maybe do at some point, and perhaps revisit. However, I don't know that that'll change my opinion much at all, it might just give me a little more... Sound bitiness, you know, that half ass internet research kind of thing. But I think I'm going to rank them. I think I'm going to rank them. I think that's the uh, being a, a person who, who grew up playing sports, who doesn't have a better way of conceptualizing a list, who has read innumerable cracked.com articles. I'm going to fucking rank them. And uh, it's not a diss, I'm just saying, like, that's a thing. That's a real thing in internet culture. Clickbaits are top ten and, and worst ten. And ten things you should do, ten things you shouldn't do, ten things I hate about you, and and all the things. Like, that is the culture that I have been, that I have been raised in, really, that I have been molded in. So I'm going to conceptualize this 9 Blu-ray collection in that sphere of influence in, in that framework and that frame of reference is actually the word I was looking for. <laughs> don't mind me. Just, uh, have a newborn. No, but like, seriously, I I think something's up. My, my mind's a little bit foggier than it used to be. I th- I'm i hoping it's just the, uh, the sleep, but I don't know. I genuinely don't. So I'll start at the bottom at the bottom the one that i liked the least high anxiety i think that high anxiety is the one that i like the least high anxiety being the riff on alfred hitchcock i felt personally that the riff wasn't that good it wasn't that strong a riff you couldn't uh, you couldn't bang your head to it you couldn't mosh to it it wasn't that great a riff i don't know that hitchcock films are the best films to riff. like i laughed at the psycho riff i laughed at the vertigo stuff you know the ones that i got maybe i didn't get enough hitchcock you know, oh, Freudian slip right there. Maybe I haven't seen enough Hitchcock still. That still works to, um. To get it. Maybe that was. That's on me. Right? So, it is what it is. Number nine, high anxiety. I didn't like the song either. Song, not great. Number eight, to be or not to be. Mel Brooks didn't write this one, but it was very, uh, Mel Brooks-ian. It was, uh,. I believe it was written by screenwriters who had written his other films with him. So I just, you know, maybe this was in a weird period of time. But, you know, it is what it is. It is. It has an actual plot, which is relatively unusual. And uh, you know, it, it talks on some pretty heavy subjects like laugh, laugh quotient, not terribly high. Some of them were really good. I laughed, hey, you got a gift, you, you, but it was depressing, it was like the sound of music depressing, but in a weird way, where you want to watch the half of the movie, you know, kind of thing, pacing felt weird, you know, it's just, it's things, it's it's, it's an unusual movie to me, that one came out in 81, 83, it was later, but I think that maybe movie making You know, we look back to the famous movies like, uh, you know, Alien in 79, and we're like, that's how you make a movie. We look at Jaws in 74, and it's like, that's how you write a movie. You know, that pacing, that whatever. But these were the movies that stood the test of time. They were not the popular examples. So it's quite possible that in the 80s that not every movie was Star Wars, and some of them were still these weird oddly feeling, weirdly paced kind of remnants of the 70s which were like these weird kind of mutated rrr, toxic fucking versions of the zombie weirdo stoner movies of the 60s where it's like, well, yeah, man, just whatever for 45 minutes and then a plot somewhere. Introduced 90 characters. All checkoffs, no guns. Right? So, I think to be or not to be kind of ended up in that space i don 't think that it was the movie 's fault or anything. I again, the anachronism of it it's it's not like the other movies. the other movies have, have definitely stood up better to the test of time, not for their example of their time, but for their exceptional exceptionality, the exceptionality of them in their time and how they have remained influential become even more so as filmmakers have grown up watching those movies. So we move on to number seven, The Twelve Chairs, which was the first movie that Mel Brooks, I think, uh, directed and wrote. Uh, Let's look at the IMDIBA real, real quick. Boom. Boom. This is my karma. So The Twelve Chairs, yeah. Uh, No, The Producers, actually. The Producers was written by... uh, was probably his first. Uh, did he direct the producers? Nineteen sixty-seven. He did. No, he didn't. I'm looking at actor, writer, and director. He did direct the producers. So his sophomore effort, nineteen seventy, the twelve chairs. The twelve chairs definitely had. The afterbirth of the 60s clinging to it as it emerged screaming from the creative womb of Mel Brooks's brain. And um, it started out that way, but it picked up and it became a bit more like a screwball buddy comedy that we would know of today. Uh, I think of it a bit more as Rat Race than 48 Hours, but hey, you know, it is what it is. So, that one kind of moved things along. Dom DeLuise is an actual psychopath, and I love it. But, you know, again, a a product of its time. So then we move up to number six. Silent Movie, 1976's Silent Movie, which was a spoof on silent movies. But this was a spoof like a motherfucker. This one spoofed hard, you know? This one took no prisoners. And it was really fun. It was an actual silent movie. And the only fucking person that has a line in the whole goddamn movie is Marcel Marceau, who's a fucking mime. It's perfect. It's great. They use title card gags. They have, you know, all of the casts: M- Marty Feldman. They have uh, Harvey Korman. They-, they got everybody. Like, it's a great that's a great little movie. I believe Harvey Corman's in that. I'm not going to check. I'm going to roll with it. I'm going to be confident. New microphone confident, if you know what I mean. So number five, and, and now we're getting into kind of uh, my bias, right? Men in tights. My bias on men in tights, Robin Hood, men in tights, if you will, is that I had that shit on VHS. I've seen the movie a million times. Carrie Elways, the best, you know? Dave Chappelle, the first time I'd ever seen Dave Chappelle, you know fucking hilarious it was a great movie, it was a product of it's time, it was very topical it had uh, the Sherwood Forest rap, I don't know the name of the song but it's actual rap music, which I was very into in the 90s, you know it's a whole thing, it's, it's Mel Brooks being relatable, but still being Mel Brooks very much so so Number five Menentites going into number four Spaceballs. Like I said, I was a recovering, or I am a recovering. Star Wars asshole. Once a Star Wars asshole, always a Star Wars asshole. And um, Spaceballs really fucking nails a bunch of things, but there's a million and one gags that are not even Star Wars related that just are in presented in that. That's that space that are, they just kill me. Absolutely kill me. So, happy about Spaceballs all the time. I'll catch it on TV if it's on. If I'm flipping channels I'm like, oh, guess I'm watching Spaceballs. Uh, Spaceballs was 1987? Yeah. Yeah, 1987. So that's a later one, you know, because what Return came out in 83. You know, so you had some time there. You had some time there for people to get over Star Wars, maybe, or maybe they were still fucking airing in in theaters. I don't know. I don't remember that in that fucking year. But, you know, it's a whole thing. Just Star Wars was my shit. So Star Wars spoof, believe it. I even liked, uh, fucking The Family Guy Blue Milk or whatever. Something, something, Dark Side or whatever. It's just fucking, it's Star Wars, dude. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. I'm not one of these fucking, uh, <laughs> major haters, you know, salute major hater. Of the new trilogy, I think that The Force Awakens was a very safe but well executed in its safeness. Reentry for people into Star Wars who loved it, and you know, maybe a good entry point for somebody new to Star Wars, like a kid. I think that The Last Jedi was definitely the strongest movie of the three and not so much in its um, a fucking action. You know, I'm not a guy that's like, hey, there's fucking monsters, wow, this show's good. I don't give a shit. Like, the fact that there are monsters or that there is action is not, does not in and of itself make the thing good. It's more about how I feel after the movie. I can watch a dumb action movie and be like, that was a great dumb action movie. It kept me entertained. John Wick isn't fucking... You know, making me fucking rethink my attitude towards life. It's like, holy shit, he shot nineteen people in the fucking head. You know that kind of thing. It's well executed. It, it it determines its intent, and it executes towards it, and it is done well. It is entertaining. It is entertainment. The fucking second that somebody starts to think about. You know, their might makes right, or whatever the case is, watching Star Wars, they get all fucking uppity, and they're like, get your politics out of my movie, man. And it's like, re-fucking-lax. Okay. So, motherfucker, here's the air conditioner. Hold on, I gotta turn this bullshit off. Alright, cool, I'm recording behind where I was recording. So I'm gonna, and I'm gonna say... (laughs) Okay, so I forgot my train of thought, but uh, I think I was somewhere at like where you know Star Wars makes people fucking think and they're getting fucking stupid, but spaceballs might have been might have been the actual genesis of the last Jedi when they meet yogurt and he's like merchandising that was fucking genius, and I'm there playing with my fucking Balook and shit watching fucking spaceballs and. I- it just, it, I I heard it, but I didn't get it. And as I got older, I'm like, oh no, I fucking get it, with my fucking Star Wars trash can and my fucking all all my shit, you know. My baby Yoda behind me, the whole nine. So, Spaceballs was a spoof, but it was original, you know, and it was thought provoking and it was deep and it's in both its spoofiness and its originality. You know, the thing like um, uh, fucking Mr. Coffee, Mr. Radar, and Spaceballs, the, the home video, which is it's genius, you know? Genius, really. You know, Colonel Sanders, what's the manner, Colonel Sanders? Chicken! The guy was named Colonel Sanders just for that joke, and it just fucking worked. It just worked. So Spaceballs. And the thing is, like, right here, like, Spaceballs and up, it's a knife fight. It is it is rough. Just Spaceballs in and of itself was very chintzy looking. You know, because money and, and technology and things. John Candy, you know, fantastic. Ignore the beep. But Spaceballs, history of the world, though, number three, going from four Spaceballs to three history of the world. History of the World is a fucking laugh riot, and History of the World came out in 81, and I don't understand the critics on History of the World. Again, this might have been because History of the World perhaps introduced me to comedy, literally as a child, to a, to a lot of it as a whole. And that's what I mean when I say that this is my bias, showing that I saw these when I was a child. When I was too young to watch them, I watched these. So, yeah, it just—it's a fucking laugh riot. It's kind of like how American history I learned from Forrest Gump, like just fucking bullshit parts of actual history I learned from History of the World, and people love to shit on Forrest Gump in uh, 2020. But I again, Forrest Gump also a movie that I saw that I I literally learned from. But people, uh, it's kind of like La La Land, how almost universally people who work in Hollywood and were not uh, financially very successful, they're like, that's not how Hollywood works. Oh, no. Ugh. And um, it's more about you. It's saying more about you, I think, than it is the movie. You know, it's not my favorite movie, but yeah, I liked it. But my reasons for not thinking it was the best, we're not that's not how Hollywood works so, you know again I don't know what the critics thought, but they're like, that's not how comedies work, that's, motherfucker, that's how this comedy works, yeah, you'll do a a fade in and a fade out to make a fucking one line joke, you know fuck you, do whatever you want, have fucking people in ape costumes jerking off and Orson Welles fucking narrating hell yeah You know, History of the World was a spoof on on these, like, uh, hoity-toity fucking bingo-bango fucking documentaries. Like, oh, The the South or whatever. Like, you know, apparently those were coming out. Those were hot at the time. Mel Brooks is like, fuck you, bro. You got piss, I'm taking it. I'm gonna take the piss right out of that shit. So, History of the World. I think History of the World, you know, kind of edges up over Spaceballs because of its ridiculousness really i if i had to like really put like a meta score on both i would definitely think that spaceballs would be higher but history of the world just has these outrageous fucking laughs i'm telling you the oedipus joke is one of the best jokes in movies it has to be it fucking has to be and if you don't get it well that's your fucking problem but then that brings us to number 2 Number two, which, you know, uh, people probably have a problem with, is Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles is controversial with a capital C. And I think that a lot of Mel Brooks' heart shows in this movie. And it's it's wonderful. It's not perfect. It is kind of chintzy. Mel Brooks is a filmmaker. I don't think that he is the most wonderful filmmaker. I think perhaps he is uh, Kevin Smithian in nature. That he is very much a writer. But when you don't want to see your thing that you wrote like kind of fucking mangled, you have to direct it as well, or you just don't have a choice. Like Kevin Smith, who made Clerks for you know whatever limit he had on his credit card, he literally maxed out a credit card to make Clerks in its entirety, so he couldn't afford a director. He couldn't afford any of that shit, so he just kind of did it himself. The only thing is he never, I'm not going to say he never, but he, he he didn't completely leave that mentality. Not saying that the other movies suck, actually, like a lot of his other movies, but not Jersey Girl. <laughs> but, you know, Kevin Smith is my guy, and that's also very formative uh, for me in my teen years and things like that. Blazing Saddles was a movie that I didn't fully get to experience until I was I was an adult, and, you know, I had heard the gags and things like that, but, man, it fucking nails it on the head, and, again, in 2020 eyes, the fact that Blazing Saddles is still a thing that you could say, oh, this is applicable, it, that that's telling in and of itself, and, you know, it is funny as shit. Is what it is. That is probably his funniest movie. Pound for pound, minute for minute. But I'm gonna give number one to Young Frankenstein. Young Frank. Okay, I'm gonna remove the Young Frank rap, but I'm not gonna remove that I'm saying it. I'm gonna remove the Young Frank rap because I'll just tell you that I I made up a rap for a rapper named Young Frank. And uh I didn't I didn't make a lot of of alter egos or or uh you know pseudonyms for young Frank or, or Nom de Plume for Young Frank, but there was a young Frank rap there for a hot second. But I think that young Frankenstein is a thousand percent Melbrooks's best looking movie and it's very, very funny. It's interesting though, it, it feels different. It is Spoofing a different set of things, for sure. But it also... The collaboration in writing the screenplay with Gene Wilder. It works. It really works. And Gene Wilder is definitely a very interesting performer, but not really given a lot of credit as a writer. And I have never actually looked this up, so I'm going to do this. I'm to type Gene Wilder into IMDb. And I'm going to look for writer. Not a lot of things. Nine writing credits to TV movies. See No Evil, Hear No Evil is a movie that I've wanted to see. I've heard it is amusing. Haunted Honeymoon, The Woman in Red. The World's Greatest Lover. <laughs> the Adventure of Sherlock Holmes's Smarter Brother is also fucking interesting. Because I love... I love Sherlock Holmes and uh yeah you know just uh just some things uh but I think that his brand of comedy was very interesting and I think that it worked well with Mel Brooks' sensibilities but I think that Mr. Wilder if you will brought an attention to detail and a a specificity that that Brooks, on his own, especially not in a, a year where he probably made two movies, that that would not have happened otherwise, because Young Frankenstein is more meticulous, more planned, more. Uh, I don't want to use the word fabricated because it, or or manufactured, because they have kind of a, a negative connotation, but um, more produced is the word. More produced is the word. And that also has a negative connotation, but in, in this one it's actually fairly accurate because it is a production. It is a movie production. So it was more produced. And, um, yeah, it was good. <laughs> the song and dance, though, it's a that's a thing. And it's not without its its 2020 issues, but I don't think any of these are. And I, I think that's okay, right? I don't think it's an issue. I don't think you have to cancel the movies. Just understand hey, that's the thing. Hey, don't call people that. Not a big deal. Not a huge deal. Anyway, this has been my very shitty Mel Brooks retrospective, my excuse to use a new microphone because I can't. Sleep I can barely think at times. it's a whole thing it's a whole mood. I don't know what's going on, but perhaps not leaving my house for six months and you know just having a weird sleep schedule that might be the thing. that might be the thing. as always at cool mark D on Twitter. That is cool with a C and Mark with a K, and the letter D, like Mark D, not like John D, the psychic. You know, not not, not that. I am a Mark D twenty on Letterboxed, and that is two zero, like a twenty-sided die. Uh, I don't even know what that's called. Uh, name for twenty-sided die. Wow, it's called a D twenty according to Google. Ecosahedron. Polyhedron with twenty faces. The name comes from ancient Greek Elcosai, meaning twenty and Hedra meaning seat. So it's got twenty butts. Twenty butt. So I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna call a D twenty a twenty butt any minute now. I'm I'm doing it. I made the trend. Twenty butt. Roll that twenty butt. 20 but, 20, 20, 20, but, 20 but, 20, 20, 20 but. That's a thing. That's a thing now. I have made it a thing. I have put it into the world, 20 but, on Letterboxd, Mark D20. Letterboxd is a thing where it's like a movie thing, and I don't know how it works. I just I put the movies that I watch in there. I actually saw, I saw a movie. I saw Birds of Prey. I saw Birds of Prey. I had a fucking two hours where none of the children that understand English or television were uh, were around, and uh, the wife and I we watched Birds of Prey, and it was fun. It was a fun movie, fun fun movie. Margot Robbie really just and, and becoming a Harley Quinn, the character Mary Elizabeth Winstead was just uh, hilarious to me. Her 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 jokes were my favorite. Uh, what is it, Journey Smollett? Journey Smollett, Journey Smollett, yes, Journey Smollett was pretty good as Black Canary, although the one superpower in the movie was hers going, ah, and collapsing, and not great. Not great, but she is awesome in Lovecraft Country. She is awesome. She fucking kills it. So, watch Lovecraft Country. It's good. The book is better. Fuck all y'all. Uh, I read the book before before the show started coming out. Because I knew. I knew. I knew. I knew. And I am a book is better asshole. Watch the book. Watch the book. Jesus fucking Christ. Read the book. And you can catch the individual episodes of the Mel Brooks things. Uh, movies. Mel Brooks collection. Uh, If you have a podcatcher, Mark's Movie Collection, the uh, the apostrophe for Mark's for Possessive, is apparently very important for a lot of podcatchers because a bunch of other bullshit shows up that is way more popular than my podcasts. But you can also go to scumbags.com, S-C-U-M-M-B-A-G-S, punto com to check out the feed If you will, it's linked on the front page. The website's shitty. I have put zero effort into it. But I guess my fucking podcast's out there, so I'm good. I'm good with what it is. Are you good? Are you satisfied? Are you okay? I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes I ask myself, am I okay with this? But regardless, I digress. Be safe, wear a mask, Black Lives Matter. See ya. Thanks for listening. I don't know. When I'll do a thing again. I don't know. But hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. But life finds a way to be interesting.